Gottfried Bopping, Professor of Finance and Economist. He's at the University of Ghana. Dr. Stephen Amwa is MP in Shaeso and MP, uh, MP in Shaeso and Member Finance Committee of Parliament. Here in the studio is Samuel Okujatoa Blakwa, MP, North Tong and Ranking Member Foreign Affairs Committee of Parliament. We also have Bright Simmons, Honorary Vice President, Imani Africa, joining us, as well as Dr. Paul Opokumensa, Executive Director, National Cathedral Secretariat. So, let's uh, begin to look at the issues of bread and butter. Of course, all the issues must be about bread and butter, but it's become very obvious that the twin you know world global issues of the pandemic coronavirus pandemic and uh, ukraine russian war is uh, beginning to further devastate and even destroy economies particularly those that appear not to have been in the best of shape at the beginning of the pandemic so inflation as we understand now has jumped to 27.6 percent from the 23.6 percent recorded in april 2022 according to recent figures from the ghana statistical service this has been blamed on the increase in transport fares and food prices. According to the government statistician, Professor Komna Enim, the rate of inflation for transport is at 39.0% household equipment and maintenance, 33.8% housing, water, gas, electricity, 32.3% food and non-alcoholic beverages 30.3.16% were higher than the national average 27.6%. And in May 2022, 12 of the 13 divisions recorded inflation rates higher than the ruling average from June 2021 to May 2020. Two. Now, as we know, the floods have also been devastating the country, not only in Accra. Outside Accra, it's not been the best. So let's begin to ask a question. As fuel prices are going up even further, what is life going to be like in the coming weeks, days, months and will this be reversed anytime soon first um is with us in the studio so uh, let's have your view of how you appreciate the way things are going now as far as inflation is concerned well thank you very much samson good morning to you to the panel and to all our distinguished viewers and listeners across the globe 
difficult times, isn't it? I mean, these are really, really tough times. Um, as a member of parliament, anytime you go to the constituency, anytime you pick your phone, uh, you, you just um, have no choice but to really uh, feel for your constituents and feel for the people, uh, people who um, not too long ago were very comfortable, you know, uh, and will assist even with other social interventions that you are carrying out in your constituency. Yeah. They are all really now, yeah. and uh, savings have run dry. Um, you have a situation where um, salaries no longer uh, uh, take people home. <clears throat> I mean, uh, a friend was doing an, an analysis uh, with me a few days ago about how the uh, cost of fuel alone uh, at the end of the month mm. consumes the entire you know salary that he earns and so he's even wondering if uh, he shouldn't pack his vehicle <clears throat> so everybody can feel their bite and you look at the the, the stats and they are not getting any better um, this is the worst inflation number in over two decades um, uh, we are we are told and um, uh, prices of goods and services are up. Everything is going up <laughs> except salaries. Um, I was looking at some analysis <clears throat> that um, uh, Metro TV did uh, yesterday. I was, on, I was on the set. And they were comparing Ghana with some 14 other countries. And our, our minimum wage is amongst the lowest. I think yeah. it was only Gambia and Ethiopia <clears throat> that 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 had a better minimum wage than us and yet we have the worst inflation and yet our fuel prices are the highest you know on on the continent you know so we are we are we are really um in in particularly excruciating times mm. and something must be done particularly with the cost of of, of fuel um the impression has been created that these are matters that are out of the hands of those who run the economy. I disagree. Um, there are three factors when you look at the uh, fuel pricing. You have the world market prices, right. then you have uh, the taxes and levies, mm -hmm. and then the third component, <clears throat> it's the exchange rate. So the exchange rate is within our uh, capacity. The managers of the economy mm. who had professed some superior, you know, managerial abilities must bring that to bear and, 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 and rein in the depreciating currency. Mm. Then you come to the taxes and levies, something. It's, 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 it's atrocious mm. that we are keeping these 12 taxes and levies. And the last time we did an analysis in Parliament, it was amounting to almost 40%. Of the of the price build-up, what okay. what you pay at the pump, mm. energy debt recovery levy, road fund, energy fund levy, price stabilization recovery levy, sanitation and pollution levy, energy sector recovery levy, special petroleum tax, primary distribution margin, bust margin, fuel market margin, marketers margin, dealers, retailers, and operators margin, twelve taxes and levies, forty percent of the price build-up. This is where something can be done. This week, we filed a question in Parliament. The Deputy Energy Minister re-echoed what the President told workers on May Day, that 
um, they, 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 they are not in a position to do something about the, the taxes and levies. We disagree. We are appealing to government. And you see, it's about addressing the expenditure side of things. Mm. Government expenditure is still too high. I have been tracking these matters, as you know, in, in Parliament. Mm. And when you see the things that government is spending on, you see what government priority is. You see the size of government. Look, I was comparing uh, President Mohammed's report to Parliament on his 2015, um, and that's the last report we received from President Mahama. Uh, on his staffing situation at the office of the president. He had five ministers of state at Appendix A, Appendix B, list of presidential staffers. He had 26 at page four. I can share them with you. So in all political appointees, he had, he had 31. The record in parliament. You compare with the current situation, the latest we have from President Akufado. Political appointees, he has 337. So we've moved from 31 to 337. All of these have fiscal implications. They, 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 so when people say that, oh, you know, uh, how, how do you expect government to manage if you reduce the taxes? Um, uh, already we have challenges with meeting government expenditure. Let's go into the expenditure. What are those items we are spending on? Are they necessary? Are they, uh, is that a priority? We'll be coming to the mm. National Cathedral. At this time, should we be continuing with that? I've seen other projects in the budget for example, I keep talking about the Accra International Conference Center. They want to raise it down, build a new one at 165 million euros. Only this week, they were asking for uh, approval for more loans, about one billion, you know, dollars, uh, uh, which we had to, you know, stop in, in in Parliament. So, the expenditure side of things must be looked at. Then my uh, final preliminary comment relates to the creative cushioning social safety nets that we can provide. If you study what other countries are doing, yes, this is a global phenomenon, but countries that are exhibiting superior management of the economy, that are exhibiting <clears throat> more creative thinking, are cushioning their citizens. You go to Hungary, for example, they have creatively placed a cap on all staples, on fuel prices. It cannot go beyond a certain point. And they are, they are subsidizing. You may, you may call it price control. Yeah. But it's helping their people and it's cushioning their people. You go to the United Kingdom, they've identified the data is there, they've identified the vulnerable, and they are providing you know, uh, uh, cash grants to them, to households, between uh, uh, 500 to 2,000 pounds a week, supporting them. So. There are examples all over the place about how governments are cushioning you know, their, their citizens. In, in, in Ghana, it does appear that it was just because the 2020 elections was ahead of us, so we found a way of doing the you know, uh, free electricity, free water, and uh, offering some uh, food stamps here and there. Once the election was over, that's it. We just rather impose more taxes. So we should be looking at serious cushioning. And what is making this situation even worse is that all of the traditional safety nets that could have even helped ameliorate the plight of the people are all in arrears. Leap is not really going. Mm. Government has not, has, not, has, has not supported Leap in a long time. You take NAPCO, 
NAPCO has not been paid for about what, eight to nine months now. Uh, so the, the, the traditional safety nets are all struggling. Health insurance is in, is in crisis. It's owed over two billion cities. So we, we have to be careful. You see, this is now an existential threat for this democracy. Mm. See what happened in Sri Lanka. The economic crisis we, we are faced with now has, has, has shown that if you do not manage the situation well, and you don't step in and offer the people some reprieve, it can undermine your democratic stability, and the people can just rise up, say enough is enough, and just topple the leadership. And that's the end of your democracy. So yes, I see government all over the place about some terrorists coming from outside, some eminent threats, and all of that. I think that they should rather pay attention to the current economic crisis, the excruciating hardships, the, 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 the torture economically that the people are going through. It's just, it's just unsustainable. So government should look at the expenditure side of things, reduce expenditure drastically, uh, uh, cut down on all of these prestige projects. They can hold on and let's channel our resources into 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 cushioning the people okay. as for the taxes and levies these 12 taxes and levies on the petroleum price buildup there is absolutely no justification to keep to keep them mm. you know uh, in in these really really tough times okay and uh, we had uh, some rather lengthy discussions on these uh, taxes that form 40 percent of the price buildup um, sometime in 2021, uh, we are back to this discussion again. Uh, I'm looking at the Ghana Business News, uh, Emmanuel Dobovi's uh, Ghana Business News, and the headline on November 29, 2021 was, you pay so much for fuel in Ghana because 40% of price is taxes, and they give the full list. Uh, I thought we promised to do something about it. There was a promise to do something about it, but still, we are there. Uh, Professor Bokwin, um, and, and, and please, viewers and listeners, share with us how you are coping. Share with us how you are coping. Um, hashtag news file. Those of you uh, normally sending us uh, messages by Twitter, also post them and we'll share them with the rest of the world. How are you coping in the ever-rising cost of living uh goods prices of goods are just rising rising will they even ever come down the cost of living in ghana is getting unbearable with prices of goods and services increasing by over 26 percent on the national inflation average yes professor bokwin what will be your uh, first commentary and embedded in that embedded in that how should the state look to resolving these issues we have discussed this in the course of the year and you guys asked for certain measures to be taken tightening of the belt so to speak uh, the, the president or the finance minister brought out some uh, measures including stopping unnecessary travels unless you know they are statutorily required um, you know taking a pay cut uh, among other things good morning samson good morning good morning to our cherished viewers and listeners um, across the globe and good morning to my colleague panelists um 
Something. Um, it's interesting. Um, probably the reason why in this country, revising your letter notes means less. Because we never really get to address anything structural, meaningful, impactful. I'm sure if we look back so many decades back, you will see these headlines, whether it's flood, whether it's inflation, you will see it. In fact, particularly for Ghana, mm. since we assume the reign of this country, both in terms of political, physical, monetary, we've never been able to tame inflation. Inflation in 1964 was 0.98%, something. By the end of 1965, inflation had jumped from 0.98% to 26.4%. Look at that within that short period. Hmm. Over the years, we've gone through structural reforms, even across fiscal side, monetary side, we have struggled. And that is just a symptom of the many aspects of our lives where Ghana has failed. And we are almost heading to the point where we will say Ghana is becoming a failed state. I do recognize that we've made considerable progress since independence. Yes, we can celebrate that. There's so much that we could have done, that we could do, that makes all this discussion in the midst of the abundant resources, human capital that we have. <laughs> and if you look, to make matters simple and probably understandable, you want to look at the household expenditure disaggregation. And then you look at the drivers of inflation, something, you realize that the average Ghanaian spends the household expenditure on food alone, the data available is around 42.9% on food. So when you see food inflation rising the way we have, we have seen by the data, that is quite worrying because it tells you the concentration of household expenditure and the impact. Then you want to look at housing, you want to look at transportation and the rest of them. That said, then you want to look at the layers of taxes. Heavily indirect tax handles. And we have said that there is no way you could guarantee private sector leadership in your economic transformation drive with these burdens on ordinary Ghanaians and the private sector. Something. Hmm. If you're an average worker in Ghana, and you look at the proportion of your expenditure on food, rent, transportation, and the rest of them, it's practically very difficult to save. You can understand why our savings rate in this country is very low, whilst our, our investment requirement is high. That gap, we then tend to liberalize the environment and make it so conducive to foreign investors to fill the gap in order to realize our economic dream underpinned by the strategy. 
when it happens that way, it's going to be difficult for the average Ghanaian to actually make significant savings in order to take advantage of even the limited economic opportunity available. When we do the effective uh, tax burden on the average Ghanaian, you look at, I mean, you are in the top end, you pay 25%, assuming you spend 60% of your, your, your disposable income on consumption, you look at the layers of taxes, but 12.5%, get fund, NHL, this, uh, COVID levy, this levy, that levy, and you put everything together, you are hitting in excess of 60%. at all these things, there is no briefing space for the average Ghanaian. It gets worse for those who are on pension and, and their livelihood is on the, on the strength of the law from Senate and maybe later generation tier two. Because they are on fixed pension and they are impacted much more. Remember, not all and not every Ghanaian who retires at the age of 60 gets S-Gratia, hmm. regardless of how you describe it hmm. Hmm. and justify it. But the average teacher who teaches for 30 years, he goes home with practically nothing. And I'll share something with you. When I went to my village and I saw this man walking by the road, and he actually was stopping my car, I was wondering how, where he, he got that boldness from. When I stopped something, this was my teacher in GSS 1. GSS 1. In fact, when I went to GSS, there were only two teachers. So those of us in GSS 1, there was no one taking care of us because they had to handle GSS 2 and then GSS 3. I went to GSS, my biggest problem was how to read. Of course, typical for my Shanti region where they use tree to explain advert. <laughs> this man told me he had gone on, on, on pension. And when he mentioned the amount to me, I almost wept. The little I could do immediately was to give my, the mort I was going to take to him and ask him to join me in my car. This is somebody who has labored for over 30 years. Maybe this was just by the way. Does it look like we are getting out of this now? The answer is no. The reason I'm saying so something is that we have austerity staring on our face. And physical consolidation, either we do it under an IMF program or the measures we impose on ourselves tells you that the fiscal consolidation we are implementing requires some adjustment costs that will be borne by the citizens, oftentimes unevenly distributed, heavily against the poor, marginalized, socially excluded. The inflation you are talking about, 27.6%, something. Uh, yours may be higher than that. Mine could be lower than that, just okay. as, as an example. Yeah. Average. Because it varies from region to region. It varies from district to district. It varies from individual, from an individual to another individual, because your consumption pattern will have a different inflation from my consumption pattern from honor, the Honorable uh, Samuel Okujeto uh, Black. I mean, yeah, so it varies. Somebody's own could be probably in the 40s. But of course, because we are naturally not taking the survey from all the markets, 
How about the online shopping market and the rest of them? This is how challenging it is. To put matters within perspective, you want to look at this within our peers, and I think you mentioned that, which is very useful. The only caveat is that for Francophone countries, the comparison may not be that straightforward because the pass-through of exchange rate to inflation may be a bit mute for them compared to Ghana because they use the Francophone um, CFA akin to the euro, so the depreciation is not that strong as compared to Ghana that operates flexible, um, uh, manage flexible exchange rate mechanism. But of course, you can compare Ghana to Kenya, you can compare Ghana to Nigeria and other countries. And then you see the variation in the price build-up. When you put all these things together, it will be unique to outsource all of this to just external factors. Mm. When COVID came, we did analysis and we said that, in fact, food nutrition started deteriorating from Ghana and West Africa broadly from 2014. You can check the data. The conclusion was that Africa, Ghana for that matter, mass prioritize agricultural spending okay link that to agribusiness and industrialization as an effective response to COVID-19 because it was just a matter of time and hunger food the malnutrition will kill more people than the virus itself of course our president told us that we should eat contumbre and other things maybe that was the time we should have started planting more contumbre how do you eat it when it is not available hmm. So far, the best feedback for government flagship program is what we are discussing right now. Planting for food and jobs. Something, where is the food and where are the jobs? It is factors and drivers like this that reveals the resilience of your policy and your economy. So when macro global level the impact is pervasive. We are not here to deny that. But the resilience of your economy is shown in times like this. And that is why you see variations in the level of exposure and price development between Ghana, Cote d'Ivoire, Nigeria, uh, Kenya, and other countries. You see, when it happens that way, then you realize how global level development is actually meeting local reality and magnifies the vulnerabilities that we have used words to explain. But now, the, the, your words against the reality. Now, it's no longer a multiple choice so that people choose what, you, what they like. Mm. But the reality is in front of everyone, regardless of your political affiliation. Uh, Prof, given that um, we have a debt bedding that is uh, swallowing swallowing us so to speak um do you see that we will get out of this situation anytime soon and how yes um something we are not getting out of this anytime soon and that is not to make Ghanaian sad the reason we are saying so you are looking at the current measures embedded in the 2022 budget and enhanced measures and then you can do the forecast and they're predicting both in terms of your debt sustainability drive and then many other things and something it doesn't look that good you know what we we don't need we don't need to be diplomatic about this because the real effect of that can never be explained through jargons hmm. 
Let me put it this way. See, if you look at the budget right now, and even the enhanced budgets, there is practically no space for growth-enhancing spending that, that would be near to the common good. It doesn't. Look, and the problem should never be, and can never be, solely because we are not generating a lot of revenue, but it has more to do with expenditure. And, and I like it when the Honorable in the studio gave the statistics, right? They are in Parliament. They sh of course, they should help us perform that kind of check and the rest of them effectively. We've seen this across the two main political parties, so we can talk about them objectively, okay? We can share their guilt and all of the proportionately or disproportionately in whatever form. But that's where we find ourselves. But here is the government saying they are not going for an IMF program or whatever. But the, the point, something, is that there is no program right now from the side of government that we can put side by side with an IMF program that says that this is far better with trackable uh, 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 objectives underpinned by certain reforms and see whether government has a political will to impose that necessary fiscal discipline on itself. The lack of transparency and disclosure, even with the enhanced measures that government announced and all of that, itself doesn't help market confidence. When was the last time we received an update from the Ministry of Finance on all those enhanced measures? And the savings to be accumulated from there, where are they? How are they being applied? Where, we, where are we now, middle of June, with respect to government announced measures in the face of the problems, debt sustainability, revenue drive, expenditure reduction, rationalization, and the rest of them, where are we? Honorable quoted government size from the, from the central government presidency, something. It may interest you to know the expansionary drive of other state-owned enterprises in terms of number of people they are absorbing. Even these are not profitable state-owned enterprises. You can talk about all. Look at the size, the growth in the size of the payroll. Look at GMPC. Look at Ghana Gas. For some of them, they have to provide land free once a day, probably on borrowed money. Okay. If we continue like this, mm. we will be unique to expect a different outcome. Hmm. Um, let me get to Dr. Stephen Amua. Uh, thank you for joining us, Doc. Thank you, boss. Right. Um, I'm looking at the, thankfully, and I'm happy we have you, thankfully, the New Crusading Guide Online, for example, reported um, this week about a seminar that you were one of the key speakers. And the heading of the story is, Dr. Stephen Amwa discovers formula to raise Ghana from economic doldrums. Um, the introduction says, investment consultant and member of parliament for Inshiaisu constituency in the Ashanti region, Dr. Stephen Amwa has come through works of notable economic <coughs> theorists and has discovered a most suitable formula that could raise Ghana out of its current economic doldrums. According to him, um, who is a member of the Finance Committee in Parliament, the challenges confronting the country now uh, are that, one, the higher the risk, the higher expected returns in the investment principles of risk and return is being undermined continuously, unquote, and that his formula 
which was published, uh, which has been published and developed in 2020, integrates all the relevant variables and gives conditions and recommendations to enable banks and portfolio managers to reduce risk of industry collapse. Then you uh, mention a, a few other things. Let me, let me add this uh, paragraph. It says, speaking at a day's seminar at the International Conference Center in Accra on Monday to a packed to capacity audience, both local and global economists themed identifying and redefining the economic fundamentals of developing economics, anomalies and challenges the case of Ghana. Dr. Sevinamwa assured that his organization, Financial Economic Seminar Ghana, is not ending with the seminar, but is going to work hard with stakeholder engagement, especially the Bank of Ghana, uh, the banking industry, AGI, Guta, the finance ministry, and other relevant policy uh, bodies to see to ensuring that Ghana becomes a global icon. What exactly is this solution that you are proffering to get this country out of uh, the current circumstances that we find ourselves? It's a global situation, except that we, we are worse. Um, thank you very much. And my regards to Prof and um, Honorable Kujetu and our viewers this morning. And thank you for this opportunity. Um, something, I think I, I have quite um, a Herculean task this morning uh, because um, professionally we have issues that probably I should speak with all the needed uh, professional ethics. And also, once I have my brother Ukuja too, making statements that also to me or which have impact or cut some sort of snare on my government's performance, uh, definitely I can't go without doing the two. So just allow me, I beg, just respectfully. I think. Um, my work in summary was as a result of uh, most of the issues that Prof raised. Um, these are issues that for about 40 years, you know Prof quoted 1964, 1965, uh, inflationary rate from about 0.9, if I had him correct, uh, to uh, about 26.4 or 26, uh, just a year later, 26. And I also want to make this clear. Um, I think publications from our media house sometimes, sometimes cannot entirely uh, represent the meaning of what we say. We all know that. So let's be also careful that not all publications out of a statement, a work done, that can be taken in its entirety. So if there's any other thing, anybody can ask me, then we'll go ahead and discuss, because I know the country in which we are. But going straight to the issue, you realize that from most of the things Prof said, Ghana, we have problems that for about 40 years, in my opinion, we keep on lamenting and trying to ponder over, trying to find solutions, and they linger on, and a small push elsewhere on somebody's market or in somebody's market, it puts us in a very turbulent situation. And not until all of us are honestly, we honestly get involved in making sure that this has been a ritual cultural thing we don't need they are dysfunctional and as a result as a country we need to stop politicization in a way at a point which i think mpp and this we can all be faulted or whatever and find everlasting solution to some of these something will not work out 
And I think, one, my work came as a result of the fact that I realized that most governments on our market, many a time, almost all the times, borrow on our domestic market at a higher interest rate than even the private sector, which of course constitute a risky asset. <laughs> Anybody can give whatever reason the person wants to give. If this is not the prevailing uh, trails or issues or incidents we see in well developed economies and efficient markets, ours seem to be anomalous and we need to find solutions to it. Because I hear people are saying government is there, this one is happening. There could be genuine reason, but the fact is what is happening is affecting us. And practically, what we need to know is that without any technical explanation, if government securities or assets that are classified risk-free are being uh, seen to give investors higher returns, definitely banks automatically will prefer investing in government securities. As I'm talking to you now, between 57 and 70 percent of bank investment, whatever, goes into the government sector. Government does not actually create value chains, expand them, add segments that can employ people. That will mean that private sector will always have big issues in getting adequate funds to expand and produce what we need, aggregate demand on our market. So we will be forced at all times, doesn't matter who is in government, we'll be forced to import from outside. And once we import from outside something, we are going to have the ritual or ritually weak currencies that we have all the time. And that is why I say that any attempt, no matter who is in charge or who has the power or whatever, who wants to speak, it doesn't matter how good you are, short-term approaches to solving currency issues in any country, especially, I mean, characteristically, we have import-driven economy that in your studio today, and what, where in my house and everywhere, about 90% of things we use, we import. So you can never ever say that these are not issues. Two, the private sector, that actually creates value chains, cannot expand enough to employ people. So we are going to have ritually high rate of unemployment in our society. And these are the issues. And even to me, because the figures do not really fall within the principles of simple risk and return in investment, even if the valuation of banks that are integrated in our GDP computation can be challenged. So these are practical issues. I've spoken to almost all almost all the banks guys in this country the top ones and they have accepted the fact that yes what i'm saying is 100 of course they have issues that private sector has to position itself and they are giving reasons why which i understand but if you there are if there are reasons or not this is a serious issue we should go through so it made me as part of my work try to simulate the existing models in in, in the world i mean cap and capital surprising model by a gentleman called sharp in 1964. And then an improved version was done, that was 1976, by a gentleman called Ross. And then later on, the two that were done were the optimal ones, seem okay. to be probably most acceptable ones. Two gentlemen, Hanan and Lian, that was 1993. And then 2015, Diamond did. They all improved upon what happened. Then I identified that the last one that was done did not integrate the fact that after deduction of reserve component of bank funds available, part goes into market and part goes into risky investment areas where risk premium was needed. Based on that, I developed a new model. But something coming back to all the issues we are talking about, it's the fact that 
the things especially my brother Okujoto is talking about is very interesting. If we are talking about the fact that our minimum wage is probably too low comparatively, if we are not really getting staff to people that we are supposed to get and comparing that to other countries, we can't do that in isolation. In the first place, have we compared all relevant variables in terms of even the proper policies that are being rolled in our country, i.e. free school, i.e. leave, i.e. national health insurance policies, i.e. Uh, school feeding, and all those things. Mm. So, 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 Dr. Mm. Dr. Amwa, the solution you proffer, and I take note of the fact that I've looked at the videos and how the International Conference Center was packed and the caliber of people that were there to listen to you and a couple of, you know, experts from outside the country. And the debate it generated among the Guta, Professor Stephen Adair, and the rest of them. The main point is that because the country is import-driven, we will continue to be in this problem. Number two, that the banks, for example, are making supernormal profits by from the states, and which is an anomaly that must be cured. So how do we get out of this stranglehold? How do we get out of it? Um, I think anything that I'm proposing now, just as I've had a proposed formula of model, it's not something I've worked on and I can say 100%, but of course I'm making recommendations. And I think how we can solve some of these problems, cannot just sit there and say, within a twinkle of eye or one week or one day, solve it. Just as most of the problems we are lamenting today, we cannot look at them today and say, hey, especially what we're going through. I think we need to work on how we manage our fiscal space. Because governments are also forced to go for loans simply because we are operating a completely negative, effective tax rate system. I mean, monies outlaid from government to households against income or revenue of the government, excluding debt. It's negative all the time. Let's be very practical with these facts. Let's not, let's not deceive ourselves. Because me, I always say the something, I'm not holy holy, but there is God in whatever we do. Let's be very honest and take away, if we want to do politics, we can do proper comparative analysis. And I will tell you that, then my government is even doing well. Because look, US today, since 1981, which is 41 years now, they're having the highest inflation rate, 18.4. Some parts in US, US, you are not even getting baby food. Some parts, you don't get fertilizer. These are facts. I'm not saying because of the Ghana we should be happy. Okay. There's hardship in Ghana we appreciate. But what I'm saying is that these problems need holistic approach involving all stakeholders. And before we can, we need to be realistic with how, how we manage even our fiscal space in terms of revenue we are generating, in terms of our outlays, mm -hmm. and even discretionary spending arm of, of policy arm of the government. Mm -hmm. Governments should work towards Ghana getting to single-digit interest rate by making sure that this anomaly is resolved. Because if we free assets, or even if governments eh, in our jurisdiction, we don't want to classify that which is against the global principle, which we cannot, is borrowing at a, now as I'm talking to you now, uh, uh, TBU rate is ranging between 20 and 24%. 
the bank's rate between 9 and 11, I mean, the industry average. Check the difference. Who will give his money to the private sector? So we need to take the bull by its own, try to adopt, review our regulatory framework and policy framework, and also go through the market forces that determine some of these rates. There could be cartel, there could be uh, 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 probably, uh, how do I put this word, like condoning system or something that probably we might not have known. But whatever it is, mm. it is something we need to solve. My, my, sure my, my, my very final question to you, Steve, will be... That you end um, your, I have the chance to talk. Um, we have to end the show at a point. So my, my final question to you is, you are in government. Like one minute or two minutes. You are in government. Um, you are on the finance committee. Um, we know that you participate in discussions about, you know, the economic management of the country somewhat. Fiscal space management is a government responsibility. Sure. So, who are you preaching to now? Um, if you ask this question, you are right. But it sounds like I'm, I'm doing a blame game. I'm not blaming anyone. This is a national issue. The problem we are having today, any honest person will tell you, is not today's issue. It's been with us years. So I'm preaching to every stakeholder who has what it takes to come on board and let us all make sure that, such as what I'm doing today to help, whether it's good or bad, everybody knows what I'm trying to do. Professor talking, Samuel Kujato talking, you yourself, um, my brother from Imani coming to talk, Santa, we get it wrong and right, we are all helping. Yes, if you tell me at present, it's on the government. And I don't think the government is sleeping. The fact is, if you have 40-year-old problems, if we sit there and our population size has grown from Nkoma's time from about mm. 5 million to about 31 million, mm. if you have a situation where just close to 7% directly, the former sector pay taxes, and we're having negative effective tax rate, and these problems have been compounded for years. They come in alone. Of course, there are basic issues we need to check. One, our discretionary spending arm as a government. We should be able to now go down, even though the government said, oh, we've done by, we cut down by 20%. Yes, well accepted, appreciated, mm. but we can do more. Okay. More, we can do more by mm. selecting the expenditure items, find out which of them have very weak correlation with uh, GDP and throw them away and cut them. Look, let me okay. give you this practical um, example. Um, so, sorry, sorry, uh, Dr. Stephen Amwa. Um, um, okay, please finish up in a minute. Yeah, but something, I have problems. I'm being professional and there's also politics. So what do I do? Because my brother did politics. Um, anyway, because you want you, me to finish. You have been speaking for over 30 minutes now. Do one minute and let's <laughs> take a break. Okay, yeah. what mm -hmm. I want to, I want to say to my brother Okujetu and those listening to us is that if we continue doing politics, then they, all the things, look at uh, uh, petroleum taxes. Let's find out whose regime we put most of them on. Well, most of them, if you want to really talk about that. So I am saying that let us shift our focus from politics, 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 all right. and try to find solution as you're asking. Mm. But the fact of the matter is that today's problem, of course, we all know, just before the COVID, I'm not saying we're not having issues. Where the situations like this, let's find out. They were not like this, but most of the problems you're having today, in my opinion, are almost century-old problems that we need to sit down 
and redefine our corporate focus before we can find All right. a very lasting Steve, thank you. Thank you so very much. Uh, Professor Bonkwe, I, I need just a minute from you to conclude and then I'll go for a break and return uh, to continue with the other discussions. So, Professor Bokping, in a minute, what will be your concluding comments? Um, thank you very much, Samson. Um, clearly, we cannot throw our hands in the air. Government has to provide some kind of re response. We, we, the, the more we delay this, I don't think that it will be in our best interest. Um, something, the reason I'm saying so is that even before what we are talking about today, between 2009, 2020, over 3.6 million Ghanaians were food insecure, did not have access to affordable food and nutritious and nutrition, or nutritious food at all times, and it's getting worse more than half of the Ghanaian population are poor, living on less than 5.5 US dollars per the international poverty line. It doesn't have to get worse than this. So, okay. and I believe that, I believe that something, mm. when we say so, we say government doesn't have fiscal space. Let's look at expenditure. Mm. All right. uh, and so that, that has to be comprehensive and there has to be disclosure and greater transparency in that space. All right. Um, thank and you very taxes? much. Mm. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Professor Gottfried uh, Bokpain. is Professor of Finance and Economist. He's at the University of Ghana. Dr. Stephen Amwa is MP in Shaiso and Member Finance <coughs> Committee of Parliament. Um, we will break here and return shortly uh, to begin with the discussion on the matters arising from the cathedral and questions of accounting. And Bright Simmons joins us. We'll be right back.